Hi, I'm Andrea. And I'm Jennifer. We're two women who met through our love of writing and our shared experiences with grief. What began as a commonality with loss evolved into a beautiful friendship that has taken our grief and shown us how God's glory can come from it. Through our many conversations, we've learned that there's so much more to the grieving process than meets the eye, and we want to explore that with you and share not just our experiences, but the experiences of others from a faith perspective. We hope you will join us on this journey to morning glory. Welcome, friends, to the Morning Glory podcast, where we share our journeys of loss, faith, and hope. I'm Jennifer Thomas, and with me today is Andrea Bear. How are you today, Andrea? I'm doing great, Jen. How about yourself? I am doing well. I'm enjoying the fall weather that we are having. We had to get quite a few leaves up in our yard. (laughs) So the kids are very excited about making some leaf piles that they can jump into. How are things out your way? Well, we're doing all right. Um, I'm kind of jealous over the the leaves because we don't have any big trees in our, we just had this big tree removal in our area. So those leaves are kind of scattered. They're not in one place. So that's, that's, I'm very jealous of that, but we're doing great over here in California. Our weather is kind of all over the place. It's hot and then it gets cold and then it gets hot, but for the most part, I'm doing great. You know, the, the weather changing makes me think of Um, you know, just the seasons of change and the different seasons we go through, not just in life, but in our grief sharing process. And one of the things that it is important to remember is that we, we definitely have many resources available to us that can help us during these seasons of change, especially when it deals with loss, especially during that time after the dust settles, after that initial shock wave of whatever loss we've experienced, um, it can be difficult to know where to go to find some hope. And we do know that we have the Bible that is, you know, just so much information for us out there. There are so many scripture verses, and we've, of course, got the Psalms. But, you know, for our listeners out there, one of the things that we've been thinking about is how can scripture truly help us heal? Where should we even begin to look for comfort in the Bible? And are there any specific verses or books of the Bible that we can relate to whatever loss we've experienced? Is there like a list out there somewhere with, you know, certain scripture verses that we can go to whenever we're feeling you know, just when we're in those valleys um, of loss. And I started thinking about the Psalms. And um, fortunately, the Psalms are one of those areas of the Bible that we typically can turn to. And so today we're going to be changing things up a bit with someone who has done extensive reflecting specifically on the Psalms to see how we can find comfort in them during times of loss. So today we will have with us Catholic author Maureen O'Brien. So Andrea, how about we tell our listeners a little bit about our guest today before we welcome her? Sure thing. So Maureen O'Brien is the author of two spiritual memoirs. The first, Gather the Fragments, My Year of Finding God's Love, and her second, What Was Lost, Seeking Refuge in the Psalms. 
She is a frequent contributor to St. Anthony Messenger and the online site Pause and Pray. She has also published a novel, Be Mother, by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, and The Other Cradling, a chapter book of poems by Finish Line Press. Her award-winning short stories and poems have been published widely in magazines and anthologies. She holds a master's in creative writing from Trinity College and a bachelor's in philosophy and religion from Ithaca College. She lives in Connecticut, where she's been teaching for over 30 years, and her recent books have been deeply inspired by pilgrimages to Italy. The contrast of life, sunrise and dusk, crying and laughter never cease to amaze her. Maureen, welcome to the Morning Glory podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be with you guys, especially as you are getting the podcast off the ground. I love the idea of what you're doing. Thank you so much. For our listeners out there, um, I just wanted to give you a little bit of background. I actually stumbled upon Maureen when she was a guest on another podcast, and I absolutely loved just listening to you know, what she had to share about the Psalms and just her journey. And Maureen, I just, I truly admire you for being so open and honest with what you've been through and for helping people to be able to turn towards the Psalms. So I guess just to get us start um, started off today, what was it that made you turn towards the Psalms in the first place? So... When I turned 50, everything exploded for me. And I never thought it would be like that. I kind of always thought you would just get older and then sort of flatline a little bit. And that's not the way my life was. So I had had a series of really difficult things happen within the course of a year and a half, two years. And the first one was being diagnosed with cancer. And then that um, led to, for, for a variety of reasons, uh, my 23-year marriage fell apart at that time. And so there was the loss of my, uh, well, really the loss of dreams and the loss of my family. So I had ha- I have two children. So I had a family of four and then the divorce came very swift And um, I fought really hard for that not to happen, but it happened. And so I all of a sudden was just in a situation where I was separated from my husband, right right as the the divorce was headed. Um, I didn't have my family the way it had been put together for all those years. I was pretty sure I wasn't going to be able to keep the house that we had been living in, which was really really the only home I had ever known. And um, that was devastating to me. And then it sounds crazy, but to top it off, um, on the night of my 23rd wedding anniversary, right right when my husband and I first, we had first gotten separated, it was my 23rd wedding anniversary. And I had a freak accident in my own driveway where I fell and lost, um, I completely blew out my wrist and I, I never got it back and I had to have two surgeries. So I write about it in What Was Lost, Seeking Refuge in the Psalms. I talk about like, I had never been so physically broken in my life. So because of the cancer and then the accident, I had had uh, over the course of two years, 19 holes in my body, like literally nine for a variety of reasons, like 
19 holes. And, you know, there's, I, I do talk about that, that roomy phrase, you know, uh, you know, the wound is where the light gets in. And I was like, well, I guess the light's coming on in because there's a lot of wounding here. <laughs> and um, I was, I was at rock bottom. And so um, I begin my, the first memoir with the story of how I thought, I mean, I wanted to pray. I always have been a prayerful, prayerful person. I thought that if I sat in my room and prayed, you know, love is patient, love is kind. I thought if I really prayed over the scripture that had been said when my husband and I were married, that that would sort of maybe, I felt like if I went back to the source, I could get back what we had. And what happened, I tell the story, literally what happened is my my Bible fell open. I was a very old, old Bible and it fell open and cracked. It was just an old paperback from college, my, my Bible at the time. And it fell open to the Psalms and Psalm 23. It's like a classic Psalm 23 story. They're always such good stories. And I started reading it and realized that those words in the Psalms were speaking as if I was speaking and were touching me in such a deep way. And so I, I've always been pretty disciplined about a prayer practice. I'm not bragging about it. It's just something I've had. So I set an intention to read the Psalms, read, try and read one Psalm every day before I did anything else. And sometimes I couldn't get through a whole one. I couldn't concentrate. I didn't read them in order. And they, it, it was just such a life raft during that time. And I kept that practice up for a number of years. I got better my health got better. I found a new home. I began a new life. Yes, I did get divorced. I, I began a new life. I was able to go to Italy and have some amazing experiences with St. Francis. And the Psalms just became, it was like I fell in love with the Psalms. It was unbelievable for me. And I still feel, I, I still cannot believe how perfect they are as works of art. I never have tired of them. I still, I still can't even believe what they can do. And so I teach workshops now called Psalm 23 and me, and I, it's just, they're very gentle and I love them. It's just people getting together and, and we talk about, it does begin with Psalm 23, but we talk about the other Psalms and it's, I really try and invite people into seeing that it's a miracle that these pieces that are 2000 years old, uh, give or take are so contemporary for what we are going through today. And there's different translations. People have different, different translations that they like, but I just, I will, I, I think, I hate this phrase, but I'll say it. I will die on that hill. You know, I hate that phrase, but that's basically, you know, I love them. And that's what happened. And then I ended up writing a book about my experience and how they impacted my daily life. I'm a regular old gal. I'm just a regular person. And they, absolutely kept me moving forward. And I think at this point, you know, in Psalm 119, you know, your words are a lamp for my feet, you know, like, I believe that I believe that the Psalms themselves are, I literally see them as like little lamps under my feet, and I just have to keep sort of going. So I, I guess I'm just a huge fan of them, because they have kept me they walked me through so much despair 
and loss that I, I didn't know I could withstand, quite frankly. I love how you are talking about the Psalms in a way that, you know, they're written 2000 years ago, but they're so relevant today. So I don't know if you know, Maureen, but I'm a history teacher. And one of the things that, you know, is always difficult for students to see is to be able to relate to events that have occurred that are not within their time. And, you know, the Psalms, so many of them, people don't realize that these are just like almost like journals that, you know, King David wrote and he lamented, he wrote some of his most painful experiences. And what's beautiful about that is so often we relate more to the human condition than we do when somebody's lecturing at us or when somebody's giving us kind of a how-to. And here he is, he's lamenting, he's giving us his sorrow. And then at the same time, he's giving us joy. And I agree. I think that the Psalms are so beautiful because there are so many rich gems in there and they're not always meant in a way that's to instruct, but more just to say like, this is, this is who I am and this is what I'm going through. And this is how God is speaking to me and he's connecting with me in the most deep manner. It's so true. And I, when I, uh, they will say, you know, like, so they think like half of the Psalms were written by David. And of course, there's so much, you know, to your point about a history teacher, there's a lot we don't know. And I love the mystery of that. I'm, I'm not put off by that. Um, I do feel that the ones that are attributed to David have an extra sort of oomph to them. And there's an extra sort of vulnerability to them that I absolutely love. And so in my book, too, I talk about, you know, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. You know, he he's he's close to those who, you know, when your spirit is crushed. And so I think that that's a very contemporary word to use and a very contemporary application of how a lot of people feel in 2023. You know, they feel that for whatever reason, their spirits have felt crushed, whether whatever it is that has led to that. And so the language is, it is the language of the heart. And so how is that ever going to change over time? It's not. Maureen, I'm curious, you found yourself, you know, seeking, as your book says, seeking that refuge in the Psalms. And, um, you know, you felt so much comfort by reading through them. What made you feel compelled to actually share it and to write a book about it? You know, why did you choose um, to write the book in the first place? And then how did you even go about picking which Psalms you included in the book? That's a great question. And I was very, very blessed because um, I guess it was like maybe five or six years after this practice had started, I had... A, an acquaint, a, fr- a very good friend of mine from high school works for Franciscan Media, and had reached out to me and had said, um, "We were we were looking for somebody who can write on Mary. We want to do these Mary blogs, like Seven Days with Mary. Would you be interested in writing that?" And I had never ever written about my faith before. I've published a bunch of different things, I, you know, my novel, poems, all these different things. And I had been very, very quiet about my faith in terms of anything I had published. And I remember how excited I was that somebody was asking me to write about Mary. And I was terrified because 
it's such a personal relationship. I wasn't sure that I wanted to put it into a public place. It's so personal to me. I decided to try it and I I found that I loved writing vignettes about what my experience was because it was very, maybe like 350 words, 400 words. They weren't long blogs. And so it was a manageable space as a writer. And people signed up for that. So those went out to 11,000 people. And all of a sudden I was in a totally different arena as a writer. Like, I guess I just sort of outed myself as a person of faith and it's just kept going and going. They, I had written an article on the Psalms for St. Anthony Messenger. And then they had asked me if I would consider doing a book on the Psalms. And I said, absolutely. Yes. I knew I was called to do it. And then in terms of choosing Psalms, it was very much just going deep inside myself every morning and writing and, and letting letting the Psalms guide me to what needed to be said. But it was also realizing that I was wanting to tell the Psalms to me are about the full range of human experience, deep, deep despair, and then the opposite, wonderful joy and celebration and dancing. The whole range of human emotion is in the Psalms. And so I wanted to have that reflected in the book that it wasn't just about losing, but also about what's found there. So I was very blessed to work with a great editor and then we were able to put the book out and we've had very good response to it. People love the Psalms, all, all backgrounds. People are looking for stories that can help inspire them, but like by real people, not the toxic positivity we hear about and not the, you know, going straight to healing, but like how to get there. Yeah. We've talked about that. You know, this is definitely when you're, when you're going through these hard moments, it's not just a quick fix that there is a process. So I love how you said that, you know, the Psalms kind of tell you how to go through there. And kind of going back a little bit, uh, you mentioned how you didn't expect this, you know, poetry to just explode. And and I love how, you know, God chooses the right speakers for the right message. And he's chosen you to really, you know, share his word in a way that's very profound. You know, Jennifer and I are also writers. My writing is more storytelling uh, hers is, you know, letters and journaling. And I, I think that's what's so beautiful and so rich about that is, you know, no matter what you're going through, whether it's a death or whether it's just a loss, you know, the written word can be so healing and it can be so beneficial to anyone when they're going through this. And, and God provides the right avenue that he wants us to to follow. But you know, going back, Maureen, you said, you know, it's, it's not a quick fix that you've got to put in a little bit of that time. And it's a process as you, as you move forward, it's not a quick, quick fix. And I think something that, um, I think something Andrea and I have both learned, especially through not just our writing, but through, you know, us doing this podcast we know that there are people out there who are looking for comfort and who are looking for the humanity of all of these emotions that we're feeling. And that's truly the beauty of 
the Psalms is that, like you said, there, there is the full gamut of emotions that are felt and that are explained. And so I think it really shows that you can have so many, all these highs and lows, these peaks and valleys, but we are still human. That is part of what makes us human. The fact that we are able to have these low lows, but we are resilient enough as human beings that God made us all resilient enough to be able to bounce back. And Maureen, I just thank you because you are giving people hope through your book and through your words that you've written that, I mean, just those, uh, how, how many holes you had in your body at one time. And like you said, it was, it was filled with the Holy Spirit, but you did bounce back. And not only did you bounce back from all of that, but you were stronger as a person and stronger in your faith because of that. So um, I just want to thank you for for being willing to be vulnerable enough to share yourself in that way. That moves me so much because I think we all know as writers, you can write and something goes out. You don't know what's happening to your work. It goes out into the world. It's sort of like, I think it's like a paper airplane. You send it out there. You never see it again. Like, well, what what happens to it? And honestly, I feel like that's been a gift of aging as well is the, the risk, taking the risk of vulnerability because it's like, well, or, and also the gift of cancer. It's like, well, we don't know how much time we're going to have. So why would I wait to be vulnerable? What, like, what does that even mean? And I really appreciate you supporting me in that. That means so much because I do really value vulnerability. And I do think that that is one of the most beautiful things for how I feel, quite frankly, at mass. When I go to mass, I feel I'm surrounded by people and I I can feel that vulnerability of the Eucharist or asking for it or wanting it. And I'm not ashamed of that anymore. I do code switch a lot in my world. Like, I can be on a Christian slash Catholic podcast and talk openly about how I feel, but I'm, I do protect myself too. I can, whatever I publish is fair game. What everybody, anybody wants to say about what I publish, that's fair game. Social media, I find more of a challenge to talk about who I really am because people are so mean on social media. It's like such an awful arena. And I don't want to get, get into that because it's like, the value of being vulnerable and the value of talking about how the Psalms impacted me also led me to talking about uh, an experience I'd had with my grandmother dying, um, other experiences that I've had, that other spiritual awakenings that have grace, grace that has come to me, I guess, is the word that I would use. And so the Psalms have really been the doorway to talk about other things. What really happened in looking at the Psalms was I was shocked to be led into like the New Testament and scripture in a different way. I did not plan on that happening. I thought I was going to be writing about, I was comfortable writing about the Psalms and David and old things and old ideas. But when it started to get into writing deeper truths that were happening to me about Jesus, that got scarier. Did you find that when you were doing this, 
you know, and I, I totally love how you are being so honest about that. You know, this was what you had thought that you were going to write about. Um, there's that, I think that's that part of us as, as, as Christians where we have this idea of what our faith is supposed to be and what it's supposed to look like. And then when we actually dive into it, God tells us something else and he kind of want to rock, he wants to rock our boat a little bit, you know, uh, how did you feel and uh, how did you feel when you were experiencing this and and he's leading you down this road and giving you all these little epiphanies of what the Psalms really are about? I was very taken aback and oh, I just think about it like, you know, so we had the Psalms book and then a couple months after that book came out, I had a complete revelation that I was supposed to do the next book, which my next book, the one that just came out is called gather the fragments, my year of finding God's love. And it's about the miracle of the loaves and fishes. And so I basically went from writing the the Psalms book sort of goes toward talking about Jesus and awakenings and experiences And then once that started to sort of accelerate, I couldn't stop it. And I got like, it sounds like, well, why would you want to stop it, Maureen? But it's that it is that vulnerability of faith that I had never even been sort of out in the world talking about any of these things. And literally, my best friend said to me after these books were in formation, Maureen, are you more Catholic than you ever were? Or have you always been that way? And now you're just talking about it. And I had to think about it. And I'm like, I've, it's pretty much always been this way. I'm just talking about it. And why would that be such a bad thing though? The blessings that have come my way, my life is completely different right now. Like it's just my biggest gift that I've received in all of this in putting my writing out there is that it's back to Psalm 23. I, I know I will always be found. I know that God never leaves me. And I, and I know that Psalm 23 leads right into the new Testament. There is nothing that can separate me from Christ's love, nothing. And so Psalm 23 began as Psalm 23 and it still is, but it hooks into something else now that is completely undoable. Like it's just this solid thing. If somebody, you know, let's say a Catholic or even a Christian, you know, they're not well versed with this Psalm or, or any of the Psalms, how would you encourage them to approach this? Because if you look through, there's 150 Psalms, many of them, some of them are very long. Others are a little short, you know, um, what are some tips that you can provide, uh, especially let's say, for example, when you come across a Psalm that maybe it doesn't feel like it speaks to you. Is there maybe a manner in how a person can really read through them and, and uh, absorb the words? Andrea, I love that question because I do believe that it is okay to peek into the Psalms and skip around and read them backwards and forward. I personally got deeper into them. I could only handle a little 
phrase, one little phrase. And then um, like, I was like, like when I first had to, when I was first sort of surrendering to everything, um, you know, okay, something like Psalm 77, I cry aloud to God, my hands are stretched out unceasingly. Very simple. And it's in retrospect, you know, I, there's a lot of stuff about hands and broken bones in the Psalms, which really resonated with me. But this idea of I cry aloud to God, my hands are stretched out unceasingly. Sometimes I believe it's totally okay to have one little image and then maybe the line before or the line after a lot of the Psalms pivot in ways that are strange. They can start out very comforting and end up more violent, you know, or they can start out with, asking for help and end up being sort of like wanting um, revenge, you know, so they, they do these different things. And I personally think it's, it's totally okay to take what you like and what you need and think about it. It can be done in more sound bites to enrich our lives and we can proceed from there. Some people like I, I've talked to people that read one a day in order that would never have worked for me. I'm t either too rebellious or like can't focus. But um, also, Andrea, there's different translations. People are comfortable with different translations. I, as an English majory type person, I love the King James version, but that might not be helpful for somebody. Some people love the message, which is a you know, it's a translation that's very, very, to me, watered down. But one of the priests at my parish loves teaching the Psalms with the message. Um, it, it can be very accessible for people. So I would say, look at different versions too. On I think it's Bible, it's Bible.com, Bibleinc.com. There's this great website where you can look at all the different versions and compare them. It's actually kind of fun. But I would say, you know, to find a translation that you feel comfortable with, there's ones that have pictures, um, you know, and just trust that you'll be led with them. And if they seem strange, it's okay. That's part of it. But there can be that little tiny ember that grows into something else. And that little ember is sometimes all you need. Uh, so, Maureen, I know that there is one of the Psalms in addition to Psalm 23, and I feel like we could almost quiz you, like, what is Psalm, you know, 87 or something? And you would just be able to spit it out just because you know them so well. But um, I I feel like, um, you know, there, there's got to be one Psalm in particular that stands out. And I believe I had heard you mention before that you have a very strong affinity for Psalm 139. Would you care to share a little bit about that? I would love to. Thank you. 139 is still, it's just to me, the most poetic besides Psalm 23. Um, to me, it's the most poetic of Psalms. And I would, uh, I will just say like in my book, I'll read, um, so Psalm 20, Psalm 139 talks about the one, most people know those lines. Uh, you formed me in my inmost being, you knit me in my mother's womb. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remote, remotest part of the sea, 
Even there, your hand guides me. There's this expansiveness to Psalm 139 that, that God will never leave you, always knows you. There's this incredible beloved feeling. You are my beloved feeling to me is how I would, how I would say that. And uh, I would just like to say that, you know, the idea of how hard it is to accept being human there are times, no matter how loved we are by our partners, our children, our friends, we are alone. And there's times when we go through things when we're so alone. Psalm 139 gives the comfort that God is always with us. And more than that for me is that I I like knowing that God is always with those I love, especially my children, that there's a, a connection to children. And so I say in the book, this is a quote, I'll never fully know what the people I love most are going through. But this Psalm 139 is an aperture that widens, opening up the possibility that I can trust they have something, someone alongside them because it's really hard being human and so alone. So to me, Psalm 139 fills in that gap, that worry of being abandoned, rejected, alone. And it does bring me a lot of comfort for myself, but it, I like thinking that the people that I love, even if I can't I can't stop their cancer if it's there. I can't stop their depression or my mom's Alzheimer's. But if I trust that God is with them from the second they were conceived, even before all the way, this abundance and this, uh, you know, this omnipresence, I just love it. I I love your, your I don't want to call it a passion, but you can tell that this is truly you know, this is when the spirit speaks to you. It's because you feel this overwhelming. I can feel it as I'm hearing you speak. And, you know, as I've read some of the Psalms, I've found like exactly what you said. Some of them, I kind of just go, okay, I'm not, I'm not in that space right now. And then there's times I'll go back to the same exact verse and I find, oh my goodness, this is so rich. This is speaking to me. And, uh, you know, these are treasures that we have at our access. And so often we don't utilize them. We don't, we don't tap into them and yet they're so available. And I think for anyone that's listening and they're going through a hard time, they're going through the woes, divorce, loss of a loved one, you know, making a change in a job, um, you know, change in her friendship or, or just any kind of experience, you know, these Psalms are so real because they really just, they touch at the core of the human spirit. And I'm, I'm not going to read the whole Psalm, but I, I have Psalm 139 in front of me. And I, the first thing that I hear and I immediately connect with it is, is the opening, Lord, you have probed me, you know me, you know, when I sit and stand you understand my thoughts from afar. I, I just love that so much because it's just like you're saying, you know, like, yes, we are going through sometimes these things and we feel so isolated. We feel so 
far apart. Nobody can understand the the experience or or they've moved on and, and I'm still sitting in this space and what do I do with that? And that's been, you know, Jennifer and my theme is that, you know, we're not alone. That that while we are by ourselves in the process the, and the journey can look very dark, we're really, God is there the entire time. And, and for people who oftentimes kind of question, you know, like, is God listening to my prayers? Does he hear me? I mean, this is his word right there in front of us. We just have to be able to tap in and we have to be open to the spirit to be able to, to allow us to hear his voice. You know, um, just in that Psalm 139, and I'm not super well versed in which Psalms were used to inspire certain songs that we sing in mass, but just those first few words of that one reminds me of, um, you are near. And the first words are Yahweh. I know you are near standing always at my side. You guard me from the foe and you lead me in ways everlasting. And I can hear that in my head. Like I can hear the different pitches of the song. I can hear the music of it because I, I grew up with those, you know, those old, Psalms, um, you know, singing them at mass on Sunday mornings when I was part of the choir. And that one just always, every time I would sing it, it just brought so much comfort to me. And then listening to those first few words of Psalm 139, 139 just took me right back to that Psalm. And I just feel like a peace just in thinking about it. It is so powerful. I love hearing those words. And now it's funny. You can hear those words. I can hear the melody and just that it's, um, what is it? What is that last line again there, Jen? Like, uh, say that again, that my understand, what is the last line there that you read? Um, I know you are near. Yeah. So it's, um, Yahweh, I know you are near standing always at my side. You guard me from the foe. And you lead me in ways everlasting. That's what it is. Oh, it's so funny that just the way the, you can hear the everlasting, like you hear it in your head. And um, everlasting is a, is a word that repeats a lot in the Psalms. I think when I did so much research for it, I think the main, so the word steadfast I think it's repeated like 70 times in the Psalms, um, everlasting refuge. There's certain words that recur again and again and everlasting. Um, uh, so it's, it's repeated love, everlasting or everlasting love. It's constantly flipping. I loved that. It's like, I'll take either love, everlasting or everlasting love, whichever way you want to write about it. It's good for me. I love that, you know, like the Psalms really are for everyone. You just, you can pick something that speaks to you. And, you know, with the multiple personalities we have in families and in friends and, you know, there's really is something that's available for, for just about anybody. Um, and, it, and I would even say to, you know, to extend just the Bible, you know, uh, I'm, I love history. I love reading the chronologies. I love looking at, you know, some of the different battles and, um, and the, just the timeline. And yet there's the Psalms, which are so poetic. You know, if somebody is very into linguistics and they're into language, you know, 
poems are definitely a way that speak to people's soul. And I'm, I'm going to go back now and read Psalm 23, because I have to tell you, I uh, was, I had to memorize this in, in elementary school. I went to Catholic school and I loved it, but I didn't fully understand it. And so now that I've you know, as an adult, I would just kind of just chalk it up like, oh, that's Psalm 23. I've read it many times. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want blah, blah, blah. And now I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back. I'm going to actually take it line by line and really see what is God saying to me now as an adult years later. So you're saying that you, you knew it as a child, but now you're figuring out something else. It goes back to that idea of, you know, you can hear it in one manner but you don't know it. And so when you when you finally take that time to go through it and then to know it, and then there's also that aspect of where you can hear a Psalm and you go to it because you think that's what you need. And then you go back to it and go, Oh my goodness, this has some, so much more to it that I didn't even realize. And, and I need it even more now. I absolutely find that to be true. And to your point about about expressing yourself, how the Psalms express themselves or listening. I love the repetition. There's so much, I cry out to you. I cry out. There's so much of that, of just this feeling of what is that relationship? There is a relationship. Anytime somebody is saying they cry out to God, they're suggesting there's a relationship. They might not be happy in that relationship or they're frustrated or they don't know if they're being heard, but it's still implying valuing of the relationship because they're saying I'm crying out to you. Um, I love all the repetition in there about show me your face. You know, like I want it. Let me see your face. Where is your face? Why have you turned away from me? Why aren't you there? And I think that's one of the most essential things that should be talked about in having any type of faith is where I'm certainly not in a constant state of feeling connected and feeling like I'm heard. And I, I love uh, the Teilhard de Chardin prayer, you know, trust in the slow work of God. Like it's slow, uh, so much waiting for answers, waiting for things to change. And the Psalms address that, this idea of, Hey, you know, like, are, are you there? Like, but then there, there will be that pivot in so many of them, like, you know, oh, okay, so I'm not sure if you're there. I'm still going to try. I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to, and I love that. It's sort of like, it's just such a natural human thing. Just you you need to get your feelings out and then you kind of get it out and you think, oh, all right, I, I am going to keep, I am going to still turn to you. I am going to trust you. I am going to wait longer. So it's this, you kind of calm down after you get it all out. It's almost like a road rage kind of thing. You get it out and then you're like, whoa, I need to dial this down a little bit and just drive. You know? <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's so awesome. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, God meets you where you are. And, and he really does. You know, some of us are more theological. Some of us, you know, it's simple. Faith is simple. So, you know, he really does. He just meets us where we are. So, well, Maureen, I truly enjoyed our conversation today. Um, this is a segment now where we go into where we always offer up a prayer for someone who 
has already is already with God. And and so we want to offer up a, an intention. Is there anyone that you have in mind that um, that speaks near and dear that we could offer a prayer for today? I really appreciate the offer and I would love a prayer offered up for my friend, Mary Claire, who passed a number of years ago of breast cancer. I miss her all the time. She was one of a kind and I do feel her watching over me, but I would like to uh, send out a prayer for her family. Her daughters are doing amazing, but I, I pray for her daughters a lot who have had to continue to walk, you know, walk the walk without their, without their mom. And so I think it really does tie into what you guys are doing here. The idea of moving through loss and having, having a community pray for you is so important. So uh, her daughters, I would like, you know, some prayers for them. They're doing great, but it's a rough, it's a rough thing to lose your mom when you're in your twenties. It's really as, as we've, as I've heard your podcast, it's rough. So thank you so much for offering that space for her family. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and close or let's go ahead and start in prayer in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. Dear heavenly father, we offer up our prayers today. We know that, you know, the desires of our heart, you know, that when we are, are grief stricken, when we're longing, when we're, we're in the throes. And yet we also know that you are just, just a phone call away. And that is through this prayer. So we want to offer up all of our, our prayers to you, especially we want to offer up for the soul of Mary Claire, eternal rest grant unto her, O Lord, and let the perpetual light shine upon her. May she rest in eternal glory. And we also want to offer up a prayer for her daughters and for her families as they continue their journey and this walk on earth. Please guide them. Let them know that they are not alone. Please put the right people into their lives so that they can find comfort. They can still honor their mother. They can still grow in your love. And they know that you have not abandoned them. We lift this all up to you, Lord, in your name. And on the feast day of St. Elizabeth of Hungary, which this episode will air, we ask for her intercession. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So. Well, this has been such a beautiful time spending with you, and now I'm really eager to get back into the Psalms and, and look at them in more depth. We're going to probably put a few of your, um, you know, favorite Psalms that you have mentioned in our show notes and and uh, so that others can maybe really just dive into them. We hope that is their goal. Um, we always also close our, our show with what we call our morning glory, and so that's where um, if you have something that either you're going through right now or maybe a trial that you have overcome, what's a morning glory that maybe you'd like to share with us? Well, here's a funny thing. I love the title of your podcast, The Morning Glory. I love the way, I love the play on words. Um, we had a very rainy summer here in Connecticut and I love the flower of morning glories and I planted some morning glories but we had so much rain that they grew nothing like the vines grew, but I got no blossoms except one perfect blue blossom. I came home one day, not in a great mood. And I saw it like undulating in the wind. So 
I would have loved, would I have loved to have 5,000 blossoms? Yes, but I will accept the morning glory of that one blossom that came because it was gorgeous. So that's my, my, my morning glory, morning glory story. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That is so, I love that. That is so beautiful. Uh, a morning glory for our morning glory. Oh, wonderful. I am just like blown away by that. And now I'm kind of curious as to the date that you saw that flower, <laughs> because I'm, I'm very weird about dates. Dates always seem to just, I always find significance in them. So um, Maureen, it has truly been a joy to speak with you and you know, even though it's not the easiest of topics talking about different types of loss and grief, I feel like our conversation has given hope to not just Andrea and I, but to anyone who's listening to this podcast episode in particular, because listeners, you can't see, but we, we can see Maureen's face and the way that she has spoken about the Psalms, you can truly see the joy that, um, that comes from talking about them and just this, this peace, this aura of peace. So um, we are so grateful to have had you with us today, Maureen. I feel so blessed because, you know, obviously when people are listening, they're listening to us, but I get to see your faces in the squares and it never ceases to amaze me how quickly I can feel connected to people that I haven't met before. And I really appreciate how welcoming you guys were to me. Thank you so much. And I love the intention of your podcast. And it's an honor to be part of this from the ground up. I feel like it's really going to catch fire and it's it's very useful. And I appreciate your willingness to look right at the topic of loss and grief and hope. They're not separate things. They're all part of our experience. And I appreciate your mission statement and your goal with it. Thank you. Well, thank you for those kind words, Maureen. The pleasure is all ours. We're so happy to have you. And that's that's our goal is is not for us to necessarily be experts, but to to share in that human experience with so many other people. Yes. So, well, thank you everyone, listeners, Maureen, for joining us on today's episode of the Morning Glory podcast. We hope that you'll find comfort and support in the shows that we bring you as we continue on our journey to one day be reunited with God. I'm Jennifer Thomas. And I'm Andrea Bear. Until we meet again, God bless. Thank you for listening to the Morning Glory podcast. If you'd like to hear more episodes, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other podcast platforms. You can also check out our Facebook and Instagram pages at Morning Glory Podcast or send us an email at morningglorypodcast at gmail.com. That's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G-G-L-O-R-Y podcast at gmail.com. Until we meet again, God bless.